Hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the finish line. Well, I hope you guys are having a blessed day, because I know I am, because today is a day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. You know, there's something about starting our journey. You know, we officially started Lent or yesterday, and today marks the second day. And we started off talking about traveling, setting your hearts to travel and the journey that God sent you on. And so we are, yesterday we kind of talked about how you were started um, and how we will end. We started off as being dust and we will end as being dust. For instance, uh, there's a Bible verse stating ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And one day we will be crossing the finish line. Every single one of us will. And now, today we have to focus on, or we're focusing on, preparing your journey that God has sent for you. Not only did we talk about how we started, but now we're getting prepared. For instance, we have you ever gone on a trip? So I'm sure when you go on a trip, you, you prepare. And the same thing goes with our hearts. We prepare our hearts for worship. We prepare our hearts for the fellowship and study. And with this in mind, we're going to start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, Lord. May you help us to bring peace and comfort to us. Lord, I pray that you can just provide us a preparedness of a heart, preparedness of mind. To know that we can be ready to start the journey that you have set before us. That you open up our hearts. That you allow us to continue to give in certain ways. Allow us to pray to you, O Lord. Allow us to fast. And Lord, as we also prepare, allow us to not worry about the things in life. So, Lord, may you guide us as we continue the path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So, if you have your Bibles open, we are in um, Matthew chapter 6. And it is absolutely a great start to the reading. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. This is part of starting uh, the journey that God has sent for you. This is part of it. And it states... Be careful, verse 1, be careful not to practice your, your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do it or do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward. Amen and amen. You know, I have to say that Matthew 6 uh, verses 1 through 4. We've gone through it, I don't know, multiple times. But each time we've gone through, there always, there, there seems to be, um, there seems to be something that just hits me. Something that I have struggled over my life. 
You know, I think even when we still start our journey that God has set for you, we get in this habit thinking, okay, you know what? We're going to, we want to please God and we're going to please others. We have this problem. We all try to have this situation when we try to please. So it's either by stating that when we do a food drive, we give more than we, uh, we think that we have to be in competition and we make a big deal about it. And yes, I've been a, I have been a person, I have been found guilty of this, not once, but countless times. And I have fallen for this multiple times. Because one thing that I struggle with is being doing, doing things in secret. One thing I struggle with is allowing others not to know what I am doing. But somehow I always blurt it out and I ruin it. And when you ruin it, you're pretty much just defeating what God has set for you. And another one is by prayer. You know, for instance, I have also had this situation where I'm thinking that, you know what, I got to be the first one to pray and I got to be the last one to pray because my last prayer counts the most. And when I would pray, for instance, when I was in the Air Force, sometimes it go a couple of minutes, sometimes it go for 10 minutes. Or I would pretend like I was raising my hand and kind of big, make a huge deal about it, make a, a spectacle of it, which was very unhealthy. And verse 5, Jesus states, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words, or how long they pray, or the length of their prayer, and the eloquency of their language. And I also want to tell you that there's something about when you start your journey with God, when you continue your journey and when you start your journey, it's like you just can go, you can close your eyes and then while you're driving, of course, I mean, um, when you're by yourself and you can pray to others and you can pray to God and, and you can hear God just having that peace and comfort knowing that um, you're praying to him and you're not speaking any words. How cool is that? So verse 8, gives, Jesus instructs us how to pray in verse 8. Do not, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. How, before even you go into prayer, God already knows what you're going to pray about. Before you even know, God already knows. That is an awesome God. And verse 9 continues and states, Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our, debt our debts as we also forgive as as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. And amen. For if you give for if you forgive other people when you when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others in their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Verses 16 of chapter 6 seems to be the hardest verse for my life, one of the hardest. Because one thing that comes to mind is, how can people that hurt you, how can the person that maybe takes your family away, changes or maybe hurts uh, your family in some capacity, and once he does that, you wonder, how can they forgive? How can God can forgive somebody like that? Or how can I forgive somebody when they've taken my livelihood away? How can I forgive my supervisor when my supervisor is the one that let me go of my job? Well, I want to tell you that God has a plan for you and he will not let you down. That is a fact. And that's why it's important to forgive each other. That's why it's important to show compassion and show mercy. Now, during Lent, a lot of us at least take some day of fasting and some day of all day of prayer. And yes, in the near future, during this Lent, we will be doing some sort of fast. I'm going to challenge you to fast. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter how you fast, but some sort of fasting to acknowledge God and to acknowledge Jesus of what he did for your life and my life. But in verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber. Do not look sad. Do not look, oh, man, I got to fast. Do not have that kind of an attitude. And as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Amen. And amen. I want to tell you, there is a major difference. There's a huge difference in my life. When I fast and when I fasted before, you know, the first time I fasted, I would have to say my life, I didn't know what to do with that day. You know, I was starving and I was hungry and I kind of fasted for the wrong reasons. But when I fasted for the right reasons, it's like God gives you energy. It's like he supplies it and you are better than you've, you have the best day that you've ever had in a long time. And it's like, you're, it's like you have a mentality. It's like you're full, but you're, you've not eaten anything because God supplies the food that you truly need. And that is spending time with him. Now, <clears throat> another way to prepare for our journey is the, tre- uh, the treasures that we gather, such as finances, food, or uh, we store things. Do, and verse 19 uh, actually correlates what I just said. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and ver- vernum destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your treasure, what I mean by that and what it's implying in verse um, verse 21 is where you put your energy on, where you put your focus. What do you think is more important? Spending more time on your phone, which I have, I am a victim of. No, I'm not a victim of it. I am as guilty as charged on that one. And when you have an opportunity to minister to someone, but you rather spend more time on your phone or more time playing video games. So that's that's another interesting thing that I have also found out. And so <clears throat> we continue on. We continue on before we hit 22 of stating that with the treasures that we store up, it should be bringing people to Christ. It should be taking the time to pray because that brings you peace and happiness. When you pray and when you bring somebody to Christ, that is the treasure that is stored in heaven. That is the heart that is set upon God. Verse 22 states, the eye is... The lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness and wickedness. I'm adding that in there. I would also further on to state that if your eyes are unhealthy, you will be deceived. You will have a life. You will have a perception of life that is a very unhealthy perception. And you will also have a perception of life that isn't going to be glorifying God or isn't going to be glorifying anyone. And you're going to have a very miserable life if you set your eyes on the world, if you set your eyes on worldly treasures, if you set your eyes on worldly views and worldly visions, you're going to have a miserable life. I hate to say it. I mean, that is cut and dry. So I absolutely love verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one who despises the other. And you cannot serve God and money. There's interesting why God mentions money so many times. And here's why I think God does mention that. Because money is a root of all evil. To put it simply, money will make you compromise your moral values. We look at this in the geopolitical aspect. If somebody gets newly elected, they first of all run an honest campaign and then they get elected. And, and this might be your job too. So it's not just only your political, it's not only related to political. Um, but if, let's actually change it. I'm sorry about that. If you start a job and you were to continue and you got a pay raise, and then you find out that you can get extra if you work on Sundays. Now, what do you think? You're like, oh, man, I, man, that's very enticing. And you see your best friend working on Sunday. He takes that initiative and he starts working on Sunday. And you know that Sunday is a day of worship. So what do you do? To me, I have had this happen in my life where I actually did work on Sundays and I deliberately, purposely worked on Sundays so I could get paid extra. Or if it was a holiday on a Sunday, I would purposely work on that. And we all sometimes do work two masters on accident. So we cannot serve, you cannot serve God and love him and, 
And then when it comes to Sunday, oh, I got, I love you during the week, but Sundays are a bad day and Wednesdays are a bad day. And I got, I got to work that extra hour. So I can't spend time with the kids. I can't spend enough time with you because I got to make sure I get, have to buy the new boat. You have to see where your heart is. And if you think that money is more important, if you think that working and spending more time away from your family and away from God, that's a heart issue. And that's also a mind issue. And so verse 25 continues on. And uh, this is the last um, aspect of preparing your journey. Is Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is it not is not life more than food and the body more than the clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You know, I have to say, um, I absolutely love this because I'm sure if you have, um, if you like feed deer or to like kind of during deer season and you kind of put out food for the birds and stuff, have you noticed that when you don't put out food, the birds are still awake or they're still alive because they will find a way to get food? God doesn't need you to supply the food for the birds. He supplies them themselves. Now, will the birds go away? Yes. Will they never probably come back? Probably, yes. They'll come back eventually once you give them food. But we're not compared to the birds. We need God in dependency. And that's why, you know, when we worry, that maybe was a bad analogy. But when we worry, that's not doing anything good. But, what's it, but what it is doing is that it's destroying our hearts. And it is making our hearts deceitful. That's what's happening. And verse 28 continues, And why do you worry about clothes? See, see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or, or spin. Yet I tell you that not even so- Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of trouble of its own. Amen. And amen. So now, here's the big question. How does, wor- how does Matthew chapter 6... Help us to prepare for the journey, the big journey. Uh, well, here's the but what if, the questions. A couple questions for you to think about. Three questions. And if you're, I, and if you, you're more than welcome to, uh, if you want to continue or uh, have the same journey, I'm on this journey called Lent Guide 
2023. So it's this uh, on Bible app is this considered this Lent guide. Places we go, you're more than welcome to follow me. But I add a change and I add a difference to it. So that's what is brought to you by this Lent season. Is um, places where you go, the overall uh, Lent guide of 2023. But getting back to the topic on hand, the three questions that I sometimes think about, or the three questions for you, is: Are there special places where you feel got closer to God? Where you want to pray more? Become aware of God in a different way. Last question is. Where do you feel you should take off your shoes? Where do you feel you should take off your shoes? Where do you feel like you have a special place with God? Where you feel closer? Is it inside of a church? Is it inside of your house? Is it inside of your bedroom? Is it inside of your closet inside of your bedroom? If that is a place that you think is special, make that a place where you worship God. Make that place inside of your bedroom. Take a special section inside of your bedroom, not on your bed, somewhere besides your bed, and worship him there. Like, for instance, take off your shoes when um, God said to Moses, take off your sandals, for you are in the house of the Lord, you are on the house of the Lord, and our place of prayer. We should do the same as well. For a lot of people, that place is in nature, majority of the people around the world. For, uh, for instance, in my life, it would have to be the chapel or this inside of a church. But a lot of it tends to be by a lake. There is something about the lake that I just get happy. That I just give myself all to God. There is something about the greatness, the water coming in and out, and the crash of the waves that calls me to reflect. If you're by Lake Michigan, you get to see, you get to hear the waves. Or if, even if you're by the ocean, you get to hear the waves crashing and you get to see the wind and just the waves. And there's something peaceful about that. I also feel like this place the uh and the I also feel like this is places that are dedicated to prayer, like cathedrals, churches, and places of retreat. Like, or we continue on saying, uh, in the woods somewhere, We're going for a walk in the woods, in a field, and at night, under the starry night by the beach, or even on the pontoon boat on a lake. That is something where we all worship, or you could worship as well. But of course, we can pray anywhere. God doesn't live in man made temples. He doesn't live in a church. He doesn't live in a cathedral. He doesn't live in anything. He's not dormant to one area. He's not uh, localized. He's all over the place. Jesus's presence fills every part of the universe. We can find him in our car, at work, in the kitchen, doing homework, spending time with the kids, or going for a drive. Looking out on the scenery, we can find God. We can find Jesus. But at the same time, certain places can help us pray. It is true that God is present everywhere. The problem is that I am not always present where I am. That is the big picture. While God is present everywhere, you're not. You're only present at the location you are at. For instance, 
I can say God is here with me right now. And when you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, okay, where is Sasson at? What location is he at? Sasson's at a specific location. But God is with me at that location and God is with you at your location as well. He's everywhere and I'm not. I'm not there speaking to you. I'm not there praying with you. But you can hear my voice. So I don't know if that counts. I'm with you everywhere. But if you open up this podcast or I guess you can count. No, I'm just messing. <clears throat> we can all get distracted easily with so many things requiring our attentions. Jacob's words as may as well have been mine. Jacob is stating this. Surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. Genesis 28, 16. I would also state that those are kind of my words. Well, I can correlate with those words and I can relate. Of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus to teach them, their only request was this. Lord, teach us to pray. He gives us them or he gives them the words of our words of the words of the Father, of our Father, of God, but not before giving them the guidelines which are spiritual or scripture today, or Matthew six, there's guidelines. So as we continue, we are invi- I'm inviting you to start your journey with the, the Matthew six that gave us the guidelines of do not worry, of uh, do not of fasting without anyone knowing. Take the time, prepare your heart, and find a place in your house to start this journey because Matthew 6 prepares you for the journey that God has set for you. And so overall, it doesn't matter your prayer, it doesn't matter what you say, as long as God gets to hear you say the prayer. You are already on the journey. With this in mind, we're going to wrap it up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. I thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, Lord. May you help us be obedient unto you, Lord. Help us to be strong in your faith. Lord, I pray that Matthew 6 has a guideline unto our life, prepares us for the journey that you have set before us. So, Lord, I pray that anyone that does not know you, Lord, Help them to hear the words of Matthew 6. Help them to hear your comfort. That you are a father of second chances. That you are a father who is merciful unto us. Lord, Lord, you're so awesome and we thank you, Lord. We also pray for the first responders that were plowing the roads today. And also just um, <clears throat> the weather as it passed. And we just pray that no one got hurt. And we just pray for East Palestine, Lord. Ohio, as they're going through struggles, we just pray that you can put a hand of uh, mercy over them, over the city. May you, Lord, bless us as we continue and finish the day and give us the energy to make it through Friday and to help us to have a relaxing weekend. May you guide us as we also continue on the path that you have set before us so that when we cross that finish line, Lord, we can run into your arms. And we can hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I want to say, guys, I hope you have a blessed day. And remember, God loves you. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Bye.